Lord be with you. Let us pray together the Colette. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that your grace may always proceed and follow us, that we may continually be given to good works. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. The children would come forward. <laughs> Let the army of the Lord assemble. All right. What a great crowd. Beautiful and handsome. You stretch out your hands with me and pray for these young children as they go up to Sunday school. Heavenly Father, we ask for your blessing, your wisdom, your counsel to always be with these young people as they grow. Lord, open their hearts and minds to hear your word every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Four. You're four. That's fantastic. I'm so glad. Four. And you're already five. And you're three. This is amazing. And you're four now. Fantastic. All right. Off you go. This way. I'm 28 again. <laughs> this morning's first reading is from Isaiah, chapter 25, verses 1 through 9. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name, for you have done wonderful things. Your counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. For you have made a city a ruin, a fortified city a ruin, a palace of foreigners to be a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, the strong people will glorify you. The city of terrible nations will fear you. For you have been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shade. From the heat. For the blast of the terrible ones is a storm against the wall. You will reduce the noise of aliens as heat in a dry place, as heat in the shadow of a cloud. The song of the terrible ones will be diminished. And in this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of choice pieces, a feast of wines on the leaves of fat things full of marrow, of well-refined wines on the lees. And he will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering cast over the people and the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. The rebuke of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. And it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him, 
and we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. This is the word of the Lord. This morning's Psalm, Psalm 106, we'll read selected verses at the asterisk. Hallelujah. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can declare all his praise? Blessed are those who keep justice. And he who does righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor you have toward your people. O visit me with your salvation. That I may see the benefit of your chosen ones. That I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, will be forever. Amen. This morning's second reading comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, beginning at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, and whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. with you. 
the Lord be on our minds, on our lips, and on our hearts as we hear His Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We're reading from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22, beginning at verse 1. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their own ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his servants and treated them spitefully and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious. And he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite them to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. Father, the orphan, kindness makes us whole. You shoulder our weakness, strength becomes our own. You're making me like you, clothing me in white, bringing beauty from ashes.
thank you this morning that we have a place to come together before your throne and to worship you. I thank you for each person in this room. I thank you for the love you have for them and the love you've created between us. Bless us as we hear your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So to begin today, I just want to start by addressing uh, something that may be weighing on all of our hearts and minds, and that's obviously what's going on in Israel this week. And if you haven't seen it, read about it, heard about it, um, all I want to say about it is that last week we read a passage that said, it is wrong to call evil good and good evil. And the church's job is to be able to say clearly and definitively, this is good and this is evil. And if you're looking anywhere else for that information besides God and the church, be careful. <laughs> because it's the Holy Spirit that divides the good from the evil. And so as we look at that, I mean, we were reading this passage in Isaiah. And I just invite you, if you're feeling really broken up about this situation, or you know anybody who's impacted by it, I invite you to that passage in Isaiah where it says, For you have been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat. For the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. You will reduce the noise of the aliens as heat in a dry place, as heat in the shadow of a cloud. The song of the terrible ones will be diminished. That was a promise given to the same Israel thousands of years ago, who was facing similar oppression and pain and violence. And so I just encourage you, if you're feeling oppressed by the news, and I know it's so easy to enter into that spirit of oppression and depression when you see what's going on in the world and the heaviness of it, just pray through that passage. Let God minister to your heart, but also participate in his will in the world, because it is his will to save the oppressed to end violence, to bring peace where there was war. And so I just encourage you to enter into prayer. And with all of that, as we enter this, I'm so happy to say that what God has told us to talk about this morning is rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And I picked that. God told me to preach on that before I'd ever heard about what was going on in Israel. And then all week I'm getting texts, I'm reading articles, I'm seeing all this stuff. And I'm like, God, rejoice? rejoice is what you want to talk about? How about God wants to kill the enemies and all the other fun stuff that's in the Bible, right? And he said, no, our call today as the people of God is in this passage in Philippians 4. So today, let's read through some of what is being said here. And of course, uh, we start with that iconic phrase that my mom loved to sing nearly every morning. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Bishop, let me back on the praise team. Come on. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, there's such goodness in this verse. Uh, it's, a rep it's one of the few times you see with Paul. He doesn't do this often where he literally repeats himself and he makes a point of it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Why does he say that? Because guess what? We need to hear it more than once. You're not going to get that on a first go round. 
In fact, if my experience is anything to go by, you won't get it the thousandth time you hear it. And so when we look at this, we want to make sure that we take this seriously. It is not blithe naivete. It is not some delusional optimism. Margo, if you could just cut it out a little bit. My baby over there, come on. Um, So basically, when he says this, I want to start by saying this is not Ned Flanders from The Simpsons, my favorite punching bag of a Christian, right? It's like the guy who next door and you're, you know, the tornado tears apart the house and he just goes, rejoice in the Lord always. (laughs) You know, it's like, no, this is deeper than that. It's not just be happy. It's a command to do something. It's a command to live a different way. So when we look at this and we look at rejoice, I want to separate spontaneous joy versus the discipline of rejoicing. Because spontaneous joy, most of us are pretty good at. In fact, if somebody walked in and, you know, you've got this guy, Mr. Beast. He's like the most popular YouTuber on the planet. He's got more followers than Jesus. No, not really. But he's got a lot of people following his content. And if he walked up to you while you were at work and said, hey, I'm going to give you a house, which he has done in several of his videos, your spontaneous joy wouldn't have to be something you practiced. You would be happy, right? That's not what Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about something that's difficult, and that's the discipline of rejoicing. Or like I, I like to call it the discipline of rejoicing. Because don't you know that the same word that is disciples of Jesus is the word for discipline? It's actually something you have to practice. You have to walk it out. They didn't sit in a classroom for three years with Jesus where he gave them this download of doctrine. No, they walked out the reality of the coming of the kingdom of God. And yet we sit in pews and we hear a good sermon and we're like, man, I've done my work this week. Woo! Not really, right? Hopefully this, what I'm saying, what people say when they get at the pulpit, encourages us to go out there and follow Jesus. Actually walk it out. Do the discipline, the discipline that we're called to. It's like going to the weight room or playing the piano. My son Rowan just started taking piano lessons and he knows absolutely nothing. He's really bad at it. But he has to practice. When you go into a weight room, I remember when I first started lifting weights, and we had a great coach, Olympic weightlifting coach, had done all these great things. And you walk in there, and you're a high school. I was a junior in high school at the time, and I'd just been meeting these people. And he hands me a stick about this long. And I'm like, no, look at all those people. I'm strong. I don't need a stick. And he's like, you're going to be on this. Or actually, I think it was a piece of PVP pipe. And he said, you're going to be on this for a while. Because what did I need to learn in the weight room? What do we need to learn when we start learning the discipline of rejoicing? I needed to learn the form. I needed to start by learning the form. So how do you learn the form of rejoicing? Well, that's what the liturgy is. It gives form to our worship. It gives form to our prayer. Why do we do the daily office? Because it forms us. It gives us a place, it teaches us the technique for rejoicing. Does that mean that if you do the daily office, you're just going to be 10 times happier all of a sudden? 
No, I promise you I wasn't lifting all that much weight for a long time in the weight room. And in the same way, if you commit to a new discipline, let's say the discipline you're committing to this morning, and I'm inviting you to this, is rejoicing, it may take a while for the form to change the heart, to build up that muscle of rejoicing when things are difficult. You might pray the daily office, get a phone call that makes you upset at work, and immediately go from the place, the form of rejoicing, to the form of complaining, to the form of frustration. Because you know what? We have a lot of practice at complaining and frustration. At least I do. So we need to learn a new form. We need to learn a new discipline. We need to pick up that bar, right? What do they go? They go from the PVC pipe. They give you the bar with no weight on it. And you learn the forms that way. Then they put a little bit of weight. This is the way that God will walk you through your life if you let him, if you take on the disciplines. If it's not just up here, but actually lived out in your life. So you come to a situation eventually when you've entered into this that has weight. Something where you have to exercise that muscle of rejoicing and it is hard. And maybe even, I will argue, sometimes it's impossible. You encounter a situation where it may even be well beyond your limit to exercise rejoicing in the midst of it. But then we remember, what does Paul say? He doesn't say rejoice always, and again I say rejoice. He actually says rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And I want to highlight that. It's also not by your own strength. If you left this room with just the word about the discipline of rejoicing and you worked your butt off to get your rejoicing muscle hard and then something along the way comes along and it takes you off track and immediately you're you're going back to your old ways, you're frustrated. You might say, man, I failed. Instead, I encourage you in that moment to say, God, I need your strength to do this. Because if you're trying to do it on your own, you will never learn to rejoice, not just rejoice, but rejoice in the Lord. That requires surrender. That requires to let him minister to your weakness. It says in scripture, in our weakness, he is made strong in us. But maybe you're thinking, well, what about Hamas? What about the evil in the world? What about these tragic situations? How does my joy muscle come into contact with that? What does that even look like? Am I supposed to just say good things when bad things happen? Not exactly. See, the beauty of Christian joy is that it doesn't limit your ability to lament. It doesn't limit your ability to enter into those places of greatest agony. Jesus from the cross, our hope of salvation, the author of our faith, the picture of rejoicing said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We have language in our scripture to inform the entire gamut of human emotion and experience. You can bring your broken heart to God. It's not a failure when you cry out in pain and agony when you encounter painful and agonizing circumstances. It is a failure to let that pain and agony turn into despair or to let that pain and agony rob your life of light and joy 
And I'm not saying here that it's a failure of you, but I am saying that that's not where God's going to lead you. If you let him, he will bring you through the pain, through the agony. He will weep with you when you weep, and yet he will bring you into healing. What are we told? Sorrow may come for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Because I will tell you, our rejoicing and our joy is not about our present circumstances. It's about the hope of our eternal life. Because what does it say in Revelations? And we read another, he's actually quoting a part of this uh, passage we read this morning in Isaiah. It says, our hope is in a God, well, I say our hope, but the passage is, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. So what do you do when you encounter the heartbreaking, the tragic? You respond appropriately. Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus. We should weep when we encounter death and pain and tragedy. Absolutely. But we also never lose trust that there is a hope. In fact, the Christians are the only people in the entire world who can authentically say hallelujah even at the grave. Because our God has been and has established himself and will always be a God of resurrection. Our whole faith revolves around that truth. That's why it's not Ned Flanders' optimistic garbage. Because we can look at a tragic situation, we can acknowledge the tragedy that it is, we can weep with those who weep, we can experience the fullness of the reality of this broken world, but we hold on to hope, and our rejoicing is born of hope. Amen? So when we look at the discipline of rejoicing, don't just muscle through it. That's not the point. Run to God with whatever you're feeling, and let Him lead you back to that place of joy. It's not on us, but it is a practice. It is a discipline. So continuing, it says in verse 5, let your reasonableness or your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. No matter the circumstance, we are encouraged to choose gentleness, reasonableness. That, in light of the world, can be hard. But I have to tell you a couple of things here. You actually don't have a right to lose control when you encounter anger. I was just talking about these situations where you're allowed to weep. And I don't mean that, right? You lose control, weeping, mourning, etc. But it says, be angry and do not sin. And it says that the gift of the Spirit is self-control. And so when your emotions overwhelm you, take them to God. Don't take them out there and ruin people's lives with them. Or let's minimize. I'm using some real dramatic language here. Maybe if you're angry with your job, take a second before you walk into your house to love your wife and your kids and let it go. Give it to God. If there's something that needs to change, make a note of it. I've got to have this conversation tomorrow. But There's a real sense here that you actually have the power by the Holy Spirit to respond reasonably in unreasonable situations. God has given you the power to walk into chaos and bring order. 
by the power of his spirit. And the first place that you have to bring order is in here. Your emotions are liars. Do you know that? They are out to trick you. I got a couple here, right? Our emotions tell us things like slamming on your brakes because that guy's tailgating you and flashing his high beams is a good idea. That's not a good idea in case you didn't know. Our emotions tell us that getting even or plotting revenge would be so satisfying against that person who just offended you or told a lie about you. Our emotions tell us that it's, uh, you know, we could just stay in bed all day. That would be better than going to work and doing our job. Our emotions are liars. And yet we use them as, well, I felt this way, so I had to do something. No, you do not have to do anything. God has given you not only free will to make choices, but the Holy Spirit so that you can have self-control over those choices. You are not ruled by your emotions. That's why we can be reasonable and gentle in the face of unreasonable and vicious people and situations. Our emotions are extremely helpful because they indicate how our heart's doing. But what we do with that has to be informed by the Holy Spirit and the rational mind that God has given you. You have to discern what your right response is. I've got two tools for you today. I'll keep bringing them up periodically. They help me quite a bit. One of them is snap. When you feel like you're going to snap, snap. Stop, notice, ask, and pivot. Okay, break it down. Let me use a story from my past. I pick on my kids all the time. Once upon a time, I was a little child, and I was a little terror. And my dad had locked away in his room uh, some guns and a nice camera, right? And stored well, all that stuff. I picked the lock to my dad's room at like four or five years old, got in there, and I dumped all of those guns and cameras and Vaseline. A lot of you have heard this story before. I was cleaning them, dumping them in the toilet to get the Vaseline off. I was doing a really good job, guys. In that moment, the Dallas Cowboys were losing a particularly painful game. My dad was watching that game. My dad is a Dallas Cowboys fan. And when he came upstairs to see me with all of his wonderful things, completely covered in Vaseline, the camera was broken, irreparable, he had a moment where he could have snapped. Okay, to be honest, he did snap the spanking rod over his leg and throw it in the side of the corner. So he snapped something, but then guess what? He walked away. And thus, I am here today. Thank God. <laughs> I don't know if I would have made it through that. But he snapped. He stopped, and he noticed what was happening. He asked himself, what is a better way to handle this situation? And he pivoted out that door. That is what you do when you're going to snap. You stop, you notice, you ask yourself, and God, I recommend, ask him to, what you should do, and then you pivot. One more tool that goes right in hand with this. While you're doing that, one of the tools you can use to analyze what's going on is called halt. Another moment to stop, halt. If you're hungry, you're angry, you're lonely, or you're tired, it might not be the best time to decide the future of your life. We like to do that. 
We're starving. We're pissed because somebody cut us off on the freeway. We're lonely because we've been away for work from our wife. And we're tired because we've been working really hard. And then we try and decide, okay, we're going to have this really intense conversation about whether we're going to go to this trip or whether we're going to spend that money. And things just build and build and build. And it doesn't even have to be that big of a situation. But I'm hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. I need to halt. I need to stop. You actually don't have to solve every problem in the moment. All of that to say, let your reasonableness be known to all. Use these tools. They are helpful to cooperate with what God's already doing inside of you. They give you tools so that you can do what he wants you to do, not what you feel like doing, because your emotions are liars. Helpful, but they don't guide our actions. Amen? Okay. Once again, last thing to emphasize on that, the Lord is at hand. Would you be saying this, doing this, acting this way if Jesus was in the room? Guess what? He's in the room. In fact, more than just some metaphysical idea, he's in the person that you want to cuss out at that moment. Dang, love others as I have loved you, he says. That's a tall order, but we have God's spirit in us. And if you cooperate with him, you will not recognize yourself in 50 years. If you walk that out, you'll be able to see, man, God has changed me. Okay, number six, it's a hard one today, right? Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Okay, let's take the precedents that we set in the others and apply them here. Because I know that this is where the rubber often meets the road for us. Don't be anxious about anything. Well, first of all, remember, our joy is rooted in our hope in Christ. That means that your present difficulty is actually has to be seen in the light of God's eternal plan of salvation. And all of a sudden, that bill you can't pay shrinks a little bit. Holy cow, God's eternal plan of salvation? I can't pay $500 to get my car fixed. Which one of those weighs more heavily in your heart and mind? I know which one weighs more heavily in my heart and mind, generally speaking. Our joy, our hope, our lack of anxiety... Rest in Christ. Jesus sustains and empowers us to rejoice. And our emotions are liars that need to be managed as indicators used by our God-inspired reason to make the right decision. So when anxiety comes up and you think that that piece of carpet that got stained because the roofers didn't seal the thing and then they came in with their shoes, that that is the end of the world that it may not be the end of the world. Your emotion might be lying to you. Whatever it might be, whatever that thing is. Now, anxiety does need a special call out because most of our fights internally for our entire life are between fear and love. And we have to choose which spirit we're going to operate out of. Even our anger is almost always a mask for our fear. And so when you get to a place where you're snapping and you're halting, 
remember, what am I afraid of in this moment? That's a great question to ask. What am I afraid of that's causing me to lash out or behave irrationally? Okay, think of that list, that thing that you're carrying today that you brought to church with you. The list of things that have to be solved in order for you to have peace, in order for you to have joy. You need the money, you need the situation to fix, you need the relationship to be healed, you need the house, you need the job, you need whatever that list is that you're carrying around with you that you have to figure out before you can live the abundant Christian life. God has the answer for you today. And it's not that list. We make all these lists to tell God what we need because he doesn't get it. I need these things. Your father knows what you need. What he wants for you today is joy, peace, and a worry-free life. I'll take that over any list. Okay, let's think about this, right? We're going to manage that list in two ways. We're told to give them to God in prayer, which most of us are pretty good at. God, I need help with this. God, help me with that. We get that prayer sometimes. I do want to say one more thing. Sometimes we forget to pray because God doesn't care about that little thing that you're holding on to. I want you to know today that is the farthest from the truth. If it's on your mind, it's on his. If you're carrying that load, he wants to take it. So let's start there. Do pray to God. But secondly, you're going to do this with thanksgiving. Yes, this is the hard one. If you can get in the discipline of going to God with your problems, you have made it so far. Let's go further. Let's do that with thanksgiving. How do we do that? Well, the forms are helpful once again. When Jesus, right, we talked about how he was weeping at the tomb of Lazarus, this great moment of heartbreak. How did he pray in that moment? He started with, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. He started with thanksgiving. And he wasn't, like, sometimes we just minimize. We're like, it's Jesus. Like, he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. No, he was a man like you and me whose heart was broken over the death of his friend. And he didn't know the answer to the situation, but he knew his father had the answer. And he was going to do whatever his father said to do. And so he called forth and God answered him. But he started with that place of trust. He started with, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. You don't think the enemy was whispering at that moment? Lazarus is gone. Nothing you do is going to change that. And then he completely sidelines the enemy. He says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Okay. Are you praying about finances? Well, later in the chapter this same chapter 4, in verse 19, it says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Hold on. What if we started our prayer with that verse? God's riches compared to my financial difficulties. Once again, what weighs more heavily in your mind and heart? So when we pray to him, we can start with thanksgiving. But just like the weight room, use the forms. There's a lot of prayers in our liturgy, in our scriptures. Start there and then tell them what you want to tell them. And over time, your heart actually will change. 
Not because the words themselves, but because the spirit that lives within you. He will use that, that moment of thanksgiving, that moment of acknowledgement to change your heart about these situations. Practice is essential. And then we get to number seven. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So all the stuff that we were doing up until then, all the work we were talking about, the stop, the snap, the halt, the giving thanks, our hope is in, the, our joy is in our hope. All of that leads to the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. And it guards our hearts and our minds. So when you're out in the world and you encounter something broken, something horrific, something tragic, or something plain frustrating, you can trust the peace of God. It is actually guarding you. What a promise. We spend our whole life trying to find the thing that will make us happy or fulfilled or just avoid pain. It's right here today in God's power. So as we read in the scripture earlier, it also encourages us to think on those things that are true, that are noble, that are good. We're not going to talk about those things today. But remember that passage. Go back to this passage. If you need help learning the language, think on those things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely. You're not going to learn how to do this if your entire life is spent revolving around darkness and pain and deception. Like I said, we're not going to talk about all that today, but there's stuff here. The, the key that I want to pull out in verse 9, it says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So as we leave today, practice these things. And if you have anything in particular that you're like, well, God could never fix this, or I could never let go of this, or I'll never have joy till this, bring it to the table. Bring it to communion. Offer it to God. He meets us here. And if you want help praying through things, we've got home group leaders, we've got clergy, we've got many people who can stand alongside you because I guarantee you one thing, you will never be able to do it alone. God made us for each other, for relationship with him and for relationship with one another. Amen? Amen. Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth.
who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let us ask God to look upon us with mercy as we lift up our prayers for ourselves and for those of the whole world. That the patriarch, all bishops, priests, and deacons will live holy and righteous lives for the glory of God and be an example to his people. Lord, in your mercy. That the witness of those who are persecuted for Christ's sake will lead to the conversion of their oppressors. Lord, in your mercy. That the church will take seriously her call to be a household of prayer for all nations. Lord, in your mercy. That the Jewish people will come to know Jesus as their promised Messiah. Lord, in your mercy. That we will set our minds and hearts on the things above and not on the things of this world. Lord, in your mercy. That we would have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying and doing in our lives. Lord, in your mercy. For our own special intentions. Amen. And with your spirit. I miss you guys. I was hiding away on the East Coast for a while. I went back there for a, a reunion, and I've been telling people it was a it was a uh, talking and eating tour. <laughs> Saw a few of our friends there in North Baltimore. Bishop Rob and his family. They all say hi to everybody, um, and uh, some old friends down in Washington and in. In Annapolis, so I appreciate your prayers for Debbie and I while we were traveling, and I miss you. It is good, good to be back home. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Announcements today. It's interesting because there's like nothing happening this week for your calendar, <laughs> but there are things because it's going to happen all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. So first of all, what we do need to do is we need to let Eric know. The men need to let Eric know. If you will be coming to the men's retreat, we need your name. We're not asking for the money yet, but it'll come. Today we need your name. So let them know if you're going to be there. That's uh, important. And then uh, let's see. There's lots of other things. Ladies meeting, 
Trunk or Treat, Trunk or Treat is happening on the 31st. Yep. <laughs> Trunk or Treat on the 31st, it's a great time. Uh, let people know we need to make sure we have a place for all the cars that will be decorated and all that. And I think it's Bethany, right? We Bethany, need to let yep. know. And uh, the next night, All Saints Day, is Fire Night. Am I right on that? Fire yep. Night. So that will be a busy week. We'll also be preparing for our offering, our, our missions offering. So just bear those things in mind. Prepare yourself now. Put those things on your calendar and let Eric know you'll be at the men's retreat. Amen. Amen. Let's pray for our offering. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God. Let us with gladness present the offerings and oblation of our life and labor to the Lord. still God in the waiting You're still God in a storm You're still God in the silence You're still God Say 
with your spirit. We lift them up unto the Lord. It is right to give him thanks and praise. fountain of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them, so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he's given up to death, the death he freely accepted. He took the bread, he gave you thanks. He broke it, gave it to his disciples, and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks and praise, and he gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ Christ has died. died. Christ Christ is risen, risen, and Christ Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. 
Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch Craig and all of the clergy. Remember especially those who are sick or infirmed in spirit, soul, or body. We hold up to stay Susan, Naomi, and Sonia, and Sandra, Tammy, and Patrick, and Richie, Bob, and Mary, Michael, Claire, our Marines and Sailors, and all of our own services. We also hold up Sean, the Burnett family, and Tyler. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. As we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Lord, have mercy on us all. Lord, you have made us worthy to share eternal life with the Blessed Virgin Mary, the mother and Lord of our Savior, Jesus Christ, Joseph, her husband, and with the apostles and the martyrs and all the saints who have gone before us. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Amen. And now as our Savior taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, Father, who who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Amen. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. The gifts of God for the people of God.
know, this word today about be anxious for nothing. <laughs> that's, that's a challenging one when you have children, you know. And um, I don't know how many of you know Kimberly lost her first baby because her water broke very early in her pregnancy. And a couple of weeks ago, I was standing in here, and she was texting me that she felt like the same thing was happening. And she went to the hospital, and I'm praying, you know, all through church, and everything was good. Hallelujah. And then later this week, or fast forward to this week, and um, I'm at work. And you know, you have Apple phones, and if you get a notification, somebody, if they send you a couple of texts, you just see the most, the latest one. And I look down at my phone, and I see this lots of fluid. And I was like, my heart went to my toes, and I'm just like, immediately went to, she's losing this baby. But in the 30 seconds that it took me to open the whole message, she said, I went to the specialist, everything is great. And then the next message said, there's lots of fluid, everything's good. So the Lord just come, you know, kind of gently reminded me, like, when you see things, when you hear things, don't immediately go to the worst possible scenario. We have to trust the Lord. Even if that was happening, he's got her life in his hands. And he's going to be with us through all of that. But praise the Lord, she's good. And just, you know, remember that scripture, when those thoughts come to your mind, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Christ has good plan for us. And he would be with us in all of those things. Amen. that great message too that was really really encouraging let us pray eternal God heavenly father you have graciously accepted us as living members of your son our savior Jesus Christ and you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart, through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, a prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell, Satan, and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking the ruin of our sins. Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Our help is in the name of the Lord. The maker of heaven and earth. Remember the gospel. God is in Christ Jesus reconciling the world himself, not counting men's sins against them. God loves you. God's forgiven you. God's not angry at you. And he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.
blessing and the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. 